Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti, and true transparency here, I have tried to record this introduction probably a dozen times now, and each time I just like get tongue-tied and have to start over. (laughs) And guys, that's just the reality of being a podcaster. I mean, you listen to it and you're like, wow, this person, they're speaking so well and they're doing such a great job with this episode, and you never think about how they've just sat there and like staring at their wall thinking, wow, I can't do this right now or wow, this is horrible. No one's going to care about this. Like all the self-deprecating comments and things that go through our heads as we're podcasting and you don't see all that stuff. So here uh, here I am bringing the transparency. But you know what? I have some good stuff to share today. I have some great little tidbits, a nice little story for you guys. You're going to love this. So let's just do it. I first want to give a little update on the leak situation or the flood that happened to my apartment last week because I did uh, briefly share a little intro on last week's episode about the situation because I had to rerun an old episode, um, which I've never done before and I hope to never do again, but I had to because I didn't have um, an episode recorded because we had a just nightmarish situation happen in our apartment where we had one rainstorm and our apartment just like was not up to code or something. We're still figuring it out what happened, but there was just water coming in from every corner, from every window, from all areas and a total like bubble situation. I've never seen this happen before, but when like water pools in your ceiling and a bubble forms and then eventually it pops and there's just water shooting out of your ceiling at a an alarming uh, speed and you have to get buckets and towels and everything is brown and yeah, that in a nutshell was what happened last week in our apartment. Um, we're very lucky to have minor damages, honestly. I mean, of course, the apartment is super damaged, but none of our things were really damaged. We were not damaged. We were safe. And the animals we have under our roof were safe. So overall, super grateful, thankful it wasn't worse. But it just wasn't cute, okay? Wasn't cute. I'm allowed to say that. (laughs) So that was last week. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to upload an episode. But this week, I'm coming at you strong with a fresh new one, something that I'm really excited to share because it uh, touches on what I was supposed to talk about last week, but also some fresh things. I have a story to share from history that I thought was super cool. So that is today on the podcast. Uh, thank you for your patience with last week. I really appreciate it. And for all of your sweet DMs on Instagram, I've been trying to kind of distance myself from Instagram just for a little bit because it was just kind of overwhelming me for a while over the holidays. Um, there was just like a lot of energy on there that was kind of overwhelming me. So I took a little noticeable step back um, last week. And thank you, though, for all the messages that I was receiving. I really, really appreciate it so, so much. So, you know, things are looking up. 2021, we're on a fresh new foot now. 2020 was um, definitely something. Went out with a bang, literally, (laughs) through our ceiling. But we're good now. So I do want to just kind of run through what I'll be talking about today so you guys know what to expect. So first, we're going to kick it off with a little recap, um, talking about some things that are special to me, that are going on in my life, some new updates, some just fun things you guys will definitely be interested in. And then later on, I have a story from history, uh, which kind of discusses this phenomenon, this uh, syndrome, as it's called, uh, where basically a person viewing a beautiful piece of art, 
a beautiful song, some art form, something they find so beautiful uh, that they have a physical reaction to it. It is possible to be so drawn, so just inspired by art that you can physically react in a negative way. You can faint, hallucinate a number of different symptoms, but if you've ever been to a museum or have heard a new album or something that you're super drawn to and have felt anxious or a number of different symptoms, you're not alone. It's actually something that is that has some scientific basis. So we're going to talk about that in the latter part of the episode. has some historical elements as well. And yeah, that's the episode, guys. So we're going to start out with a little something I like to call seven things. It's a new little situation I got going on here inspired by one of my favorite bloggers. Uh, she was a blogger first and now she's on Instagram and other places. Her name is Amber Fillerup. She's on Instagram mostly, I feel. Um, I think she still has a blog, but I'm not a huge blog person. I used to be, but now I'm super into more digestible content because I am a freaking Gen Z millennial. I'm right on the cusp there, so that's what I care about. Um, quick, digestible, <laughs> things like that, and I can admit to my flaws there. The only long-form content I can really you know, sit through are like movies and books, and I'm trying to help my attention span in that way. But, you know, alas, I love Instagram. Okay. Sue me. So anyway, Amber Fillerup is one of my favorite people on Instagram right now. Her aesthetic is just everything. She has, you know, seemingly a very perfect life, but she's super transparent about things as well. Like I do feel like I know her, which is just, of course, social media. Even if you do feel like you know people, you don't. But I do really appreciate her content. And she came up with this thing called 12 Things, where in some of her Instagram posts, she lists out just 12 things. And it can be really anything, but just 12 things that have been on her mind, 12 things that have happened to her lately, 12 things she's been watching, listening, eating, things like that. And just 12 things that otherwise we, her, you know, her followers would not know. And she just wants to share it in that way. And so I love lists. I love random things. And so I thought it'd be cool to make my own little thing out of that and do seven things, which is kind of an ode to Miley Cyrus, seven things. So yeah, I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you and not sing it, but <laughs> I have seven things that I wanted to share. And it actually was kind of, you know, half inspired by Amber, half inspired by the new Disney Plus movie I watched last night for the second time, Soul. If you guys haven't watched it, definitely give it a watch. It's such a tearjerker. I watched it for the second time last night and it still brought me to tears. Even after I'd already known what would happen, I was still super emotional. Just one of those things where Disney just totally nailed it with the soundtrack with the cast, with every element of it just was like a perfect cocktail for making Katie cry. And that is exactly what happened. So from watching that and seeing Amber's post, it really kind of made me realize how there is so much beauty and so much to be said about super mundane, super normal seeming things. You live your life and you have all these normal things happen to you. You eat all these normal things. You see all these normal movies and normal things. Just It just seems so mundane and so typical. And stepping back though, you realize how special these things are, how one day you won't be so lucky to experience these super simple things. So I thought that I would mash all these ideas together and just talk about seven things that have happened to me recently that I care about that are special, even though they're quite simple. So let's just dive in. So number one 
is the new show that I'm watching. So I'm watching Bridgerton and it's making me the happiest person on the face of the earth because I love period dramas so much. I love anything that you know, reminds me of a Kira Knightley film, like, you know, Pride and Prejudice or, uh, you know, Atonement or any of those little women, things like that I freaking love. And Bridgerton is like that, but with a modern sort of twist to it or the characters feel like they have modern beliefs, but speak in, you know, old terminology, old accents, things like that, and wear the most fabulous outfits. Like the clothes, the colors, the way it's shot, just everything about it is so dazzling and everyone is so hot. Like all the characters are beautiful. And so it's really quite enjoyable. I'm on episode two. Well, I just finished episode two, so I still have a ways to go. I'm trying to savor it. Do you ever do that when you discover a new show and you're like, I don't want to binge this because I want this to last. Like I want to be able to watch this over the next few weeks and have something special to look forward to. So that has been Bridgerton for me. It's a really good show. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. I feel like a lot of people have already watched it all all together, but I, like I said, am trying to ration it and I'm doing a pretty good job so far. So that is the first good thing. Second good thing is the weather here in LA right now. Um, Kind of mundane, as I've mentioned numerous times. Like, take a shot every time I say that word in this episode, but um, it's been feeling kind of fallish lately. And I know it's January, so it's winter. (laughs) But of course, in LA, we don't get a true winter. Um, We don't really get true different seasons, I don't feel. I mean, I haven't been here a full year yet, so I can't fully speak to that. But just from what I've heard. But we're right here in – where are we? We're in January right now. And it feels – kind of like fall in New York City, which is my favorite feeling, my favorite season. Just a, you know, a crisp sort of chill air. And in the morning especially, I just go on little walks and it feels so just so nice. The air tastes good, smells nice. And, you know, LA, of course, is not doing so hot with the pandemic recently. Businesses have been really shuttered and suffering. And despite all that, though, I do feel that Things, things at least feel kind of hopeful here. Things feel, you know, fresh and and I don't know. There's just a sort of feeling about it that I can't even put into words. But the weather here has been so nice recently. There was a, a time last summer where it was just unbearably hot and like worse than New York standards of being like sweaty and hot and we don't have air conditioning in our apartment and I'm like, oh my God, I can't do a full year of this. Is it going to be like this forever? And now we've kind of sunk into this nice fall feeling sort of season and so I'm digging it. So that is the second thing that I wanted to share. Third thing, okay, so the other day when we had our total apartment flooding fiasco, we did something that actually made me feel a little bit better about the day. Like it was a pretty horrible day, but we made the most of it. You know, we had this flooding happening, but while we were waiting for our landlord to come over and scope things out, we were kind of panicking and weren't really sure where to go or what to do. Um, We had the landlord on his way. And so what we did in the meantime, as we had no power, uh, we had a gas fireplace though. (laughs) So what we did was we heated up um, hot toddies on the stove. So if you've ever had a hot toddy, it's this whiskey drink. And we're not I I wouldn't say like – I mean, I can only speak for myself. I'm not a massive whiskey fan. I appreciate whiskey, but I'm not like going to a bar and like craving whiskey and being like, give me a shot of whiskey. Like maybe like a fireball shot, but I don't even feel – like those are super sweet and like manageable. But like a – like whiskey on the rocks would probably never happen for me. 
but we made hot toddies, which are honestly really delicious. Like I would 10 out of 10 do this again. We basically added whiskey, um, two teaspoons of honey, two teaspoons of lemon juice, and we actually cut up like actual lemons and put them in there as well. Put all this in hot water in a saucepan on the stovetop and just <laughs> made drinks. Like, you know, when life gives you a shitty situation, you make drinks on the stovetop and go from there. So that was also a nice little thing that happened last week that, you know, we made a, a good situation out of a pretty horrible situation. So we did that and that was nice. Okay, number four is, again, entertainment-based. I am all caught up on Crime Junkie Podcast, which is my favorite podcast. I'm finally all caught up. I listened to it. I think I started listening to it two years ago, and they've been around for quite some time, so I've been really working to listen to every single episode that they've put out, and so I think I'm finally there. I might have one more, but I'm pretty sure. I have, like, you know, when you scroll and you can see, like, that you've already listened to each one, I'm pretty much there, and... I think that's like kind of an accomplishment because it's my favorite podcast and the two women that do the podcast are super inspiring as a podcaster myself. Like the way that they deliver stories, the way that they plan their episodes has really inspired how I do Thick and Thin. So yeah, I'm basically caught up on their podcast. I listened to yesterday's or they put out episodes every Monday. I listened to their episode yesterday, feeling nice and caught up. So that is also a good thing. When you discover a really good podcast and you are like a listener through and through like every week, it's such a good feeling to be consistent with a podcaster. So yeah, hopefully you guys, each and every one of you are consistent with me over here on Thick and Thin, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. Totally fine if not. Um, but yeah, that's just a cool little thing that I discovered yesterday that I'm basically basically caught up. Okay. Next thing is also super exciting. So as a house, once our house is fixed, like don't get any crazy ideas. We definitely are going to make sure our house is fixed first, but we are fostering another dog. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, I posted very sporadically about this because I wasn't really here for the last two months when my two roommates had this other dog. So I knew of the dog and I met the dog, but it wasn't like really my responsibility because I wasn't here. So we had a dog named Toby, which we found, well, we didn't find him. We, I guess we did find him actually, because we found him on the internet. Um, well, a woman was, she's trying to get rid of a few of her dogs because, or not get rid of, I'm phrasing this horribly. So basically she is a foster mom for like 10 dogs. Like she has a million dogs under her care because she finds them from shelters that otherwise would euthanize the dogs. So she has a bunch and she was just looking to get some of her dogs into other homes because it's overwhelming her. And so they found, my two roommates found Toby, our previous foster, and then we found a home for Toby. So now we have another foster coming into our house uh, when it's up and running again, hopefully in a week or so or whenever we can, um, because of course we want to make sure the dog is in a good home and not in a flooding home. So we're keeping that in mind, don't worry. Um, but the next dog that's coming into our care, her name is Shyla, which is a very accurate fitting name for her because she is the most shy dog ever. So Toby, before he really came out of his shell after having him for two months, uh, was super shy as well, like wouldn't come out of the crate to use the bathroom to eat, like would not come out of the crate. Um, and so my two roommates were amazing with him and got him out. And so we're doing the same with Shyla, hopefully. Um, she's a beautiful kind of hodgepodge of different breeds. She's pretty big, honestly. So it's going to be a challenge, but a good one because of course she just needs love. She needs a home. 
So we're going to foster Shyla starting whenever we can, probably in a week. It's going to be a challenge, of course, but it's going to bring just a purpose to our lives right now, which, I mean, if you can foster a dog, I highly recommend it. I think that I mean, of course, I think this is a time when a lot of people are fostering, so there's definitely maybe less of a need than there used to be, but there's still a huge need, of course. Um, so yeah, especially if you're you're working from home. So highly recommend fostering a dog, and it's easy to just Google and to find, find people that are looking. So yeah, we're fostering another dog, and that is number five. So number six, and this one has to do with the Patreon page that you guys know I won't shut up about on Instagram or anywhere. I'm so passionate about this this page that I have, this community that I started. And you guys might remember back in the day on the podcast, back in the day as in like April, maybe March of this year or last year. Wait, what year is it? Okay. Last year, I was talking about how nervous I was to start the Patreon because I was worried that no one would sign up or care. And, you know, I have the imposter syndrome bug that everyone has and I thought that it would go nowhere. But now I just checked yesterday. I was um, just kind of going through organizing some stuff on there and I noticed that we have surpassed 1,600 subscribers on there or what do you call it like patrons on there and so we have a community of 1600 plus people like how crazy is that I thought that no one would care about it and we have 1676 exactly people signed up for the patreon and why I love that so much is just because I feel like this you know this past year and just the current world we're living in gives us a lot of reasons to not feel super inspired. And so the fact that people are signing up for the Patreon means that they're willing to be inspired. They're willing to learn new things. They're willing to make their lives more aesthetically pleasing, you know, with the backgrounds, the the wallpapers that I put up on there. They're willing to make their lives beautiful, to give their hobbies a shot, you know, things like that. And so that just makes me feel good. It makes me feel like there's more for me to work on as well. Like I feel like I have a purpose. Like Patreon really feels like my purpose right now. Um, Because, you know, other, you know, modes of social media, other platforms can feel kind of draining sometimes. And I really, really strive to continue bringing light and good energy and good outfits and food and vibes to all platforms. But sometimes it can get super overwhelming when people are really, really critical. And I have such a, I'm like super sensitive. So with the Patreon, I feel like people are more so like, you know, it's not like everything I post is about me. And so I don't take it as personally when I get criticism over there because it's more so my work, which, and you know, my my tutorials and I always want to strive to do better there. But when someone criticizes like my face or my body, it definitely hits home a little differently. So it's been nice to take a little break from getting personally criticized and more so professionally criticized, which I can handle. So yeah, Patreon overall has been such a light in my life and I'm happy that it's doing so well. So yeah, that is another little good, bright little thing. So okay, number seven. So that's number six. Number seven is just the general feeling that I have about 2021. I feel that 2021 is looking bright. I do have a very good feeling about it, even though You know, my friends and I find ourselves slipping into these conversations about how 2021 couldn't possibly look any better than 2020. If anything, you know, case numbers are up and, you know, restaurants are crumbling and going under and there's all these things to just worry about. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be worried at all because, you know, this is a very dire situation for many people and it's a very sad situation. But I do feel that, you know, 
I see it in little things here and there, like little ways that people are able to stay positive, that little ways people are able to laugh even given everything that's happening and to, you know, I see it in the YouTube parodies and like in Saturday Night Live and like little things like that. People are still making light of human existence and human life. And so I see some positive notes in 2021 when I think about it, when I imagine what it will be. I think that we will continue to move forward, to trudge on, even though things are a little bit less than dazzling right now. But, you know, we we have survived a lot of things in this life in the previous 20-some years that we've had, however old you are, or you know, insert number there. But for me, it's been like the last 24, 25 years of my life that I have survived a lot of really horrible things that I wouldn't want to relive. We all have. We all have struggles. We all have things and they all look different. And we've survived the chaos of the now so far too. We will survive a lot of things in the future too, like a lot of other things. You know, and notoriously, it always sucks when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it. But When you look back at it all, when you look in your rear view and see all the things that you got through, all the mud you trudged through, you will feel so powerful. So keep going. You know, 2020 hurt. It made us feel things very hard and we shouldn't minimize how it made us feel. You know, I think there's this tendency to say like, oh, it's not that bad. There are much worse things happening. People are suffering worse than me. And sure, that's probably true. It is true. But Believe me when I say it gets easier to live and to help other people live when you don't get mad at yourself constantly for being sad and you don't discount your feelings. If you work through your feelings and accept that you're sad and that's okay instead of brushing everything under the rug and assuring yourself that you know other people are worse off than you and you don't deserve to feel this, like all that you're doing is making it harder for you to ever possibly help someone else that is going through a worse thing than you. Like you are eliminating yourself as a source of light. You're eliminating yourself as a shoulder for someone else. And that is not doing the world any good. Once you work through your stuff and stop stifling your feelings, you're more of a help to the rest of the world that's also suffering. To those people who do like, you know, like you've said to yourself a million times, have it worse. So if you don't work through your stuff, you won't be a good help to anyone, like I said, and you'll just fall deeper and deeper and deeper down into a pit of self-loathing and no one benefits from that. So 2020, see ya. 2021, hello. Nice to meet you. Hopefully we're better off this year, but even if we aren't, we're growing. We're getting stronger with every misstep. And yeah, I I have a good feeling about this year. So that's number seven. And I do have a few little sub sub notes for this one. I have three quotes that I have written in my notes that I want to tattoo on my forehead because I think that they are really they're really something I want to put into practice this year in 2021. So I thought I would read them to you. Two of them I don't know the author to, even though I obsessively Googled. So I think I found these on Pinterest or or Tumblr or one of the places where the quotes float around and lose their credits over time. So I apologize for that. Um, but the first one is I wish I had the courage not to fight and doubt everything. I wish just once I could say this, this is good enough. I think that there's a big misconception between settling and 
being content with what you have and knowing that who you are right now is enough and you don't have to continuously reinvent yourself. Certainly, if it feels like something that happens naturally, I think you can definitely naturally be reinvented and become fresh and new over time, but there's no pressure to do that. I think that's the, the the differentiation here. It's like there's no extreme pressure. There shouldn't be an extreme pressure to constantly reinvent, to constantly change yourself because then you kind of lose who you are at your core. And so I kind of want to accept the love that I have, accept the things that I have and not be constantly fighting, constantly trying to change myself and change my life. Like I can sit with what I have right now and feel super, super content and super proud of myself for what I've already done, you know? And so I think I need to do a bit more of that in 2021 personally. Okay. Number two is an Audre Lorde quote, love her. Um, And so I, I honestly could do a whole podcast episode on her. I think I'm going to in the future. She's amazing or was. So this quote says, you need to reach down and touch the thing that's boiling inside of you and make it somehow useful. So I think I've actually discussed this quote in the past, in a past episode, but it's so, so impactful because, you know, of course we, we, I think even as we've gotten older, it's become easier for us to pinpoint the things in us that like lurk in us that aren't so great you know, the way that we're super sensitive or the way that we criticize others or we're self-loathing or all of these kind of ugly things that we are and possess that is just kind of a part of our humanity and we work on, but we can't kick or we can't fully kick, you know, those things or the ways that we kind of fall short, the things that we think are wrong with us, Everything that we have of that sort that we consider to be that, even though other people likely don't even see it that way, but, you know, we are super critical of ourselves. There's a way for us to make use of each and every one of those things. There is a way for us to make those things useful, to, you know, use these things to make other people feel better or to benefit us in our careers. A lot of times I think it's just kind of leaning into honesty the honesty of it all, you know, once you drop the act that everything's perfect, that is where your true power lies, I think, and the way that you can shape the world in such a beautiful way. And so I think that that quote is another thing that I really want to put into practice this year. Okay. Third thing, third quote is don't waste your time with explanations. People only hear what they want to hear. So the first part of this quote, the don't waste your time with explanations. Yeah, I have a really hard time with this because I feel like I need to explain myself. I need to rationalize and justify everything that I do because I just crave the approval of others. I need everyone to know that I'm a good person because I feel that sometimes the things that I say and do are misinterpreted, especially having a lot of eyes on me at all times with the internet. Like it weighs on me a bit that I feel sometimes that people see me as someone that I'm not. People see me as someone that is more self-centered, self-focused. I don't know. There's just a number of things and I dwell all the time on what other people think. I worry so deeply about what other people think. So I want to try in 2021 to live more do more things and spend less time explaining why, explaining who I am and and trying to prove to people that I'm a good person. I want to spend more time being a good person and doing things that feel right and feel good and spend less time explaining 
why I'm doing these things or trying to show people that I do have a good heart, even though they have a million things to say about me and people try to say that they know me, things like that. So yeah, I mean, the second part of the quote, people only hear what they want to hear. It's really true. People do. And I think that's just a part of human nature a lot of times. Like we always think we know and think we, you know, know what people mean by a certain thing. And a lot of times we don't. So that is the third quote for 2021 that I want to tattoo on my forehead and think about all the time. So I hope you liked that. Okay. So those are my um, seven things and three quotes <laughs> for the intro. Hope you guys enjoyed that little uh, sum up of just the last year and into this year transition. I wanted to share this last week, but alas, things things uh, went to shit. So now we're doing it today. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so now let's move on to satisfying my endlessly ravenous curiosity and talk about art attacks. See what I did there? Play on words. <laughs> so basically, like I said in the beginning of the episode, it is possible to become so drawn, so inspired by art forms that you have a – your body is a physical reaction. And I heard about this from one of you all. You DM'd me and told me I need to look into this. And I was so intrigued by it. I was shocked that I'd never heard of this before. So I wanted to share this little tidbit. I mean, I'm not uh, not an expert on syndromes of any sort. So keep that in mind. And also a little brief trigger warning here. If you ever feel triggered by things like panic attacks or anxiety, if either of these subjects trigger you, feel free to click off now and listen to another episode of mine or of anybody's because we're going to talk a little bit about that. Nothing too intense, but it will be discussed, so just keep that in mind while you listen. So I want to start out by reflecting for a hot second on my travels abroad to Italy. You guys are probably sick of me or any other girl from college saying like, oh, when I went abroad, I really found my culture, found my spark when I went abroad or when I studied abroad or when I – whatever. You're probably sick of hearing about it, but I did truly – love where I studied in Florence. I really did learn a lot. I learned a lot about myself in the process. I learned a lot about how huge this world is, although Florence is quite small. I realized how much there is to explore in the world, you know, outside of the United States. And so I really enjoyed my time in Florence. I studied there for five months, my junior year of college, and I learned the language. I studied a lot of Italian while I was there. I tried very hard to remember it over the years. I don't know how well I would fare now, but I really got so invested in the culture. My heritage, like I am Italian, um, like way back few few uh, generations, well, quite a few generations ago, like my, my uh, relatives are from Italy. So it was really cool being there and being like, wow, I feel people kind of look like me. We have this like dark hair and, you know, these features. And I, I just felt very alive when I was in Florence. And so, you know, number one thing that I, that I did appreciate most about Florence besides the food, which was amazing, was the art everywhere. Like the just, you could just tell this city has, has been seen and enjoyed by so many people and there's so much just rich history there. I can't wait to go back once <laughs> things are settled down with the pandemic and all, but yeah, it was really, really cool studying there. And so I was really interested to hear that this Stendhal syndrome, which is what the syndrome is called that I talked about earlier, uh, originated in Florence. Like that is where our story begins. 
So to kind of give you an idea before we get into the real storytelling element of what Stendhal syndrome entails. So it's basically a psychosomatic disorder and psychosomatic means it affects both the body and the mind. It causes rapid heartbeat, dizziness, sweating, disorientation, fainting, and confusion when someone is looking or experiencing a piece of art with which they are deeply emotionally connected to. And I got that definition from Mental Floss, which is a great resource for things like this. Um, And it's also called Florence Syndrome, and here's why. So in 1817, a French author named Marie-Henri Bale who wrote under the pen name Stendhal, described his experience visiting this place called the Basilica of Santa Croce, which I visited on a couple of different occasions when I was there. I went on a field trip there, and then I also went – I just walked through it with my friends. It's so beautiful. If you get a chance to see it, definitely do. Um, It's basically this massive kind of hall. Like it's it's a huge structure. It features – 16 different chapels, and it's decorated with these enormous, colorful fresco paintings, like all over the ceiling and walls. And it was actually originally built in 1294. So it's very, very old. And it's the permanent resting place of greats like Michelangelo, Galileo, and Machiavelli. I think I said that right. Machiavelli. I actually never said that out loud. So I hope that's, I hope I pronounced it right. Um, And it's absolutely beautiful in person. It's just like staggeringly massive, huge high ceilings, like very, like huge pillars, paintings, these elaborate marble floors, statues, et cetera. There's just so much to look at, so much to see, so much to imagine. Like, again, like how many people have passed through, how many people have seen this and all of those things. So back in 1817, when the French author Stendhal, that was his pen name, as I said, he was 34 at the time, he visited the cathedral and something happened. After he spent some time marveling over the ceiling frescoes, the paintings, he later wrote, I was in a sort of ecstasy from the idea of being in Florence close to the great men whose tombs I had seen, absorbed in the contemplation of sublime beauty, I reached the point where one encounters celestial sensations. Everything spoke so vividly to my soul. If I could only forget, I had palpitations of the heart, what in Berlin they call nerves. Life was drained from me. I walked with the fear of falling. And this all happened after he had just spent some time thinking and looking at the paintings, thinking about the people that have crossed through and the greats that have been buried there and all those things. It just was so overwhelming to him that he basically had a modern-day panic attack. And this was the first known published account of an art-induced panic. And some could say, you know, oh, he probably just didn't have enough to eat that day. He was probably, you know, exhausted or a number of different things that cause these sorts of occurrences. But since his account, hundreds upon hundreds of people have experienced similar symptoms in Florence especially, but then in other places like in Paris, in, you know, primarily tourists, people that have never seen these things before. There's been hundreds upon hundreds of documented similar accounts Again, could be a coincidence, but if it's not, pretty pretty crazy, right? I don't know. And there's been so many that in 1979, the condition was given its official name, Stendhal Syndrome, after the French author. And it was named by an Italian psychiatrist named Dr. Graziella Magrini, who at the time of naming it was the chief of psychiatry at Florence's Santa Maria Nuova Hospital. 
And I actually have been there before because a friend of mine, less glamorous circumstances, but she somehow, I don't even know how it happened, fell, like tripped on a cobblestone and fell on her face and needed stitches. And so that was the only hospital in Florence. So we had to go there. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but Dr. Graziella uh, used to work at the hospital and she saw so many tourists coming in and out with similar symptoms that she dubbed it Stendhal syndrome. And she later went on to write a book about it too. So according to Psychology Today, Dr. Graziella began to observe that many tourists visiting Florence appeared to be overcome with a range of symptoms, including temporary panic attacks to seeming bouts of madness that lasted two or three days. And I read a dozen of different stories on the internet about people you know, tourists especially hallucinating, seeing things, thinking people are coming to get them in their hotel rooms, like really crazy stuff that happened after a day of exploring art museums. Again, could be, you know, exhaustion induced, things of that nature, but I think it's kind of just a crazy coincidence if that, right? So anyway, she wrote in her book that the people that were mostly affected by this were typically sensitive, emotional people who essentially overdosed on art. So that's really interesting. I mean, I walked through all of the museums in Florence. It was like part of my curriculum at school um, at the the university I attended in Florence to go to all of them. So I can attest, like, honestly, I'm surprised that this didn't happen to me. Maybe it did at some point. I just don't remember. But like, there is so much beauty in Florence, so much breathtaking artwork, things that you can't imagine were created given the time period. You're like, how do they even have the means to make this marble statue? Like the David, you know, that's a stunning statue in itself. So it's just really crazy. And it does definitely give you a run for your money with your brain racing and, you know, just marveling at the beauty of it. So I I understand this. So Dr. Graziella, in her book that she published on the subject in 89, documented hundreds and hundreds of similar cases uh, just at this hospital in Florence alone. So it's really interesting. And to this day, teams in Italy are still studying the condition, specifically in tourists. And Florence is a hub for such events, probably because it's home to the most Renaissance art, I believe. I think it's the most in the world. has a lot of Renaissance art and, you know, Renaissance as we know means rebirth, literally means rebirth. It typically features a lot of deep moody colors, lots of reds, lots of greens, golds, and often extremely violent emotional scenes. So it really does make you feel something. It has the power to take hold of the people that view it. And according to a story in Medical News Today, a man had experienced a heart attack while experiencing the famous Botticelli painting called The Birth of Venus, which you've probably seen. It's been modernized in a lot of um, a lot of designs, like with designers these days for clothes and things like that, wallpaper, things like that. Um, and it's housed at the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. I've been there as well. So mirac- like beautiful in person as well. And a man actually had a heart attack while viewing it. So who knows? Could be a coincidence again, but just an interesting, interesting story. So if you, in fact, do feel a strong physical response to experiencing art, music, etc., you're not alone. You're not crazy. You might be simply experiencing a bout of Stendhal syndrome. Who knows? Still uh, need more evidence on this, but I thought it was interesting to talk about just for a little bit. And it's kind of how I felt when Taylor Swift put out her uh, second secret album recently. Um, yeah, I think I maybe experienced a bit of a panic when that came out. Not sure about you guys, but yeah, just thought I'd be uh, an interesting story to tell about Stenhal Syndrome. Thank you to whoever sent this to me in the DMs. How interesting that, you know, art can literally make you feel something. It's just crazy. 
So yeah, I can't wait again to go back to Italy and to re-experience this through another lens. Like I can't wait. It's been too long. I need to travel. Anyone else going crazy? Because I am. So anyway, that guys is, that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed this hodgepodge of uh, simple and beautiful things and art and um, art attacks, all the things mashed into one. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I need to eat some lunch. So that is what I'm going to go do. And I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye.